Jack Dylan Grazer podcast. We bought a a superhero in a. We bought a hunky man named Zachary. A boy. He's Chuck. He's known for his jeans. Mark Strong playing a bad guy, like usual. I like the ending. Hello. You just think it's going to keep on going forever. Right when you think it's over, it's not over. Welcome to We Bought a Mic. I'm Ernest Calderon. I am Hunter Mobley. And I'm... Shazam! <laughs> Shazam! Oh shit! <laughs> you just fried the mics, Drew. Yeah, I, sorry. I think you're happy. We're yeah, we're talking Shazam for the big seg. Can we can we think of all of the jokes of the names that they were thinking of? What do you mean, mean? Captain Captain Sparkle Fingers? Captain Sparkle. That was good. <laughs> I, no, I can't think of the others, but I do remember were, them being funny. They were great. Yeah. Um. All right. Let's get let's get right into it. So we're talking Shazam. Uh. Like we're we did last week, and we're doing it this week. We're breaking things up. Um, we're gonna give you a review of Pet Cemetery in a couple days with our catch up corner. But right now, just mm-hmm. Shazam. We had to pave out a whole podcast just for this movie. Yeah, Pet is Cemetery it good? Is, is it bad? Pet Cemetery was banished to the catch up realm. Yeah, <laughs> Pet Cemetery. Hey, hey, for all the view- listeners know, Pet Cemetery could be better than Shazam. Yeah, you're gonna maybe have Shazam to is just more talked about. Right. You have to listen. Talkable. To You're gonna have to listen. It's more to talkable. Um, so this is DC's latest film, and they're not cinematic universe because mm-hmm. it's an extended universe. Because Joker and you know whatever else they decide to do. Um, yeah, it stars Zachary Levi as the man himself, Mister Shazam, and uh, Jack Grazer, and uh, some other peeps. So. Let's uh, let's get into some thoughts, some spoiler-free thoughts. Drew and I, we saw this what two weeks ago. Yeah, Did you guys so it's see been it stewing. Again or no, no, okay. no. no. But I will say, uh, it has stuck in my brain considerably. I haven't really; it hasn't slipped my mind. Uh, I agree because I loved this movie. I wholeheartedly love it. Yeah. It's not the second coming of Christ like <laughs> we've led you to believe, Hunter, with our with I our mean, hype. But it's it's great and it made me feel this sense of awe that I didn't thought I would feel from a movie like this. Uh maybe cuz my expectations were so low. Well, I didn't really think so it that, was going to be So that that does play into it. Yeah. And speaking of which, I did try to temper your expectations before you saw it. I was like, "Wait, hold on. It's not like it's amazing. It's just f- extremely fun." Like, I I had a blast watching it. It's not like it's like The Godfather. It's a, you know, it's a, like a hero movie that's very kid-friendly. Like it's you know, it, ostensibly it's for like, you know, 13-year-old kids, I guess. Oh uh, yeah. But it was a blast to watch i had a really good time and i love that it is uh a dc movie and it is like a marvel movie because marvel movies are better than dc they're capital f fun (laughs) um it's funny you bring up the godfather i was gonna say (laughs) lost similarities between the godfather and this movie yeah yeah the godfather there will be blood citizen kane and shazam what do these movies have in common 
cinematic achievement. They're they're all on film. Yeah, Yeah. that was about it. Um, This (laughs) this movie, it's it's definitely it's not a great movie, but I I just had a blast watching this movie. Like it was just it's just so much fun. Yeah, and it's actually uh, a lot of. I mean, for the most part, it's pretty positive. Um, it's doing pretty decently in the box office for its opening weekend. It's kicking Pet Cemetery's ass, but that's not a surprise because it's an <laughs> R-rated horror movie. Um, but I know it's not doing very well overseas, and that's understandable because a lot of the references are very American references to things. Yeah. Game of Thrones and Fortnite. stuff like that. Fortnite. Um, I think that... Jokes work to varying degrees, but overall, like this movie, it's just fun, and the performances are great. Zachary Levi, he is a movie star. Like I, whenever I had never really seen this guy before, Maisel, and at first you see him, and like immediately my brain was kind of like, ah, fuck this guy. He just like he looks like a hunk. Like when people are that attractive looking and they're not movie stars i get suspicious and i'm like is this guy just bad well he just like is he that bad of an actor no he mainly just wasn't buff until now (laughs) right he's so good in mazel he won me over and because he's uh, gives a great performance in that show and he's like we've seen this whole kind of fish out of water superhero trying to get their uh sea legs no pun intended for aquaman we've seen this before but like it's just it's it's so refreshing. Like I feel like the origin story has gotten so beaten to death, and like it almost seemed like Captain Marvel. Whenever we talked about that, it almost just seemed like it was just so by the numbers that like it was like, well, we have to have an origin story, so it has to hit these benchmarks that we already have pre-established for everything. And the fact that this is like a relatively unknown character. And you're right, like, we don't know what's happening with DC, so this could just be, like, a one-off movie. Oh, yeah, and we'll definitely get into the meta jokes of how they touch on yeah. these yeah. things, because um, it's actually really smart. Yeah, and also going off of that point, uh, this movie, not only does it play with that concept, and but the fact that it's new to us, new to, like, a broad audience, I had no idea anything about Shazam. I saw the promotional material, of course. I played as him in the that's, Injustice. That's what I was video gonna say. Game. That's my only thing that I know about him is that he's an injustice yeah. and he's badass in injustice. Well, so, so the thing is, one of my main like critiques I could give the movie is that it's it's villain establishment and it's like lore establishment are they drag a lot more than the rest of the movie does. Not that they're done poorly, but they're not done as well as the rest of the movie for me. Uh but I can't critique that too much because they had to do that. This isn't a Spider-Verse scenario where, like, with that movie, they they played with it because they knew that we knew the origin already. But we actually didn't know the origin yeah. of any of this stuff. So they had to tell us. Um, so I can't blame them for that. You but know it, what doesn't, I mean? it doesn't feel like your average uh, origin movie, you know, because it actually it, it relies on these... Uh, the, the story is built on these pillars that aren't um common to the 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 current state of superhero movies like the whole family aspect and just the aspect of like this kid not really thinking that he needs to be a hero it's like just because he has powers doesn't mean that he has to be a superhero and he starts just fucking around like doing dumb shit that's not something we see in these movies that's one of the my favorite things about the script is it it 
is genuinely how if a kid got superpowers it treats it very genuine like what would they do yeah they're just like oh can i make like 20 bucks on the street just doing like tricks and stuff like that like that's yeah. such a kid yeah, movie. that becomes a priority that's, for him that's honestly like a lot of this movie it felt more like a coming of age story than it is superhero mm-hmm. origin story which i i love that like i i absolutely love that like giving this kind of family dynamic that we see here with this foster home like i guess that jack dylan grazer is just he's well, amazing yeah he's so good listen i'm um, on record i stand and we stand collectively i'm assuming right yeah like this kid we bought is, a mic this this kid is yeah. i think right now he's my by far my favorite child actor in all of hollywood uh and i've been to you know plenty of parties with all of them little mixers at at brian's house oh, but <laughs> oh no but he genuinely like it's i can't stress enough how rare it is to find a kid that's actually good like he's good in dramatic moments and he's great in funny moments i his, literally i don't think i ever rolled my eyes at any of his exactly. line delivery and again my so to lay out a little bit of plot um Basically, this kid, uh, Billy Batson, he he is endowed with these insane superpowers where he essentially whenever he says Shazam, he body switches into Zachary Levi, uh, which, you know, don't we all wish we had that power every day? Um, (laughs) But and then um, Jack Grazer is playing a kid who lives at the same foster home as Billy Batson and is obsessed with superheroes and is, you know, very smart, but is also an outcast, which like theoretically is kind of annoying to hear. It's annoying. Yeah, yeah, the outcast kid. I get it. The cripple. This kid is so good. And another critique that I had, which isn't really a critique again, is that any scene with Zachary Levi and and Jack Grazer together is like a 10. All of those scenes are so fucking good that when you go to a scene without them, you're kind of like, oh, I want I want right. I want them I back. This but and it's not like the other scenes are bad. They're just not like amazing like that. Well, is. I found that the balance to be really well done between those. Like I for me, I didn't it wasn't jarring to feel that flip, that switch, because when okay, so when we're not getting those scenes, we're either with Zachary Levi doing hero stuff, which I thought he is so, so charming, so he, charismatic. Yeah, he nails it. Or with Mark Strong as the villain. And I guess, you know, we, we're definitely going to have a spoiler section, but uh, we can talk about how, like, this is probably the weakest part of the film, the Mark Strong I villainy. But I honestly, I thought it was it worked because the the tone that this movie is going for is just like this very like colorful comic book like primary color uh fun yeah movie and the the villain there's just like there's just this cartooniness to it well, that really worked for well, me and the movie opens with the kid okay so i do i do want to talk about that do, should we save that for spoilers? Like, let's go ahead and save it for spoilers, I guess. Well, okay. Um, well, just in general about the Mark Strong villain aspect, it really, like, it was the weakest part for me just because we have seen that do- type of dude in almost every Marvel movie where it's definitely a step above, like, a bad villain because it has a tragic backstory where you, you're like, oh, well, I get why he wants to do what he wants to do. He's just a bad person. It doesn't feel out of place, though. Well, yeah, I know. I'm just saying that I have... Like that was the part that was least fresh. It was not that it was stale, but that is it was a Marvel playbook move. Yeah. Where like you you're like, Oh yeah, I get why he's like that, but he's still the villain and I get that also. Because a truly bad villain is just like a 
bad person so this, uh, in general. Um, a, a couple of notes. This villain, actually, I, if anything, to compare him to a Marvel villain, I'd compare him almost to Kate Blanchett in uh, yeah, Thor Ragnarok. exactly. Where it's like, yeah, she has the story, and you can kind of tell, like, okay, yeah, this is your motivations. But it was, like, kind of very, like, yada yada. Here Ob- we go, Obligatory. Yeah. Um, yeah. I actually, his... Mark Strong's character didn't bother me at all because the way that's visualized is really, really cool where you have these seven deadly sins that are kind of mm-hmm. manifested in this, like, demonic kind of way that are genuinely kind of creepy for, like, yeah. a small child seeing this well, movie. Yes, um, yes. Yeah, for sure. But speaking of children, I think why Zachary Levi is so good he like you don't think for a second that he is a real adult like the way that he's his performance in this movie it's it's a a little boy it's a 13 well, 14 year old boy who just turned into like right. the, way man. the way that he just like plays off he's just like ah yes old miss old lady and she's like i'm your age if anything i'm younger than you like it was you? yeah he it's i mean so charming there is you know there's a precedent for this type of performance because there are a lot of body switch movies and the the one that he's going with as a whole the, his entire frame of reference is big it's all tom mm-hmm. hanks and big because tom hanks and big is amazing oh and, yeah and he's doing he does the exact same thing and it's, I'm not saying that as like, oh, he sh- he's doing the same thing. Like, no, he he made the perfect choice because Tom Hanks always makes the perfect choice. And there's there's a straight up uh, yeah, reference, big reference to yeah. Big. Yeah, yeah with the keyboard in the <laughs> toy store. Um, and I love that also. The, the whole movie has this lighthearted tone of like, yeah, we know we're a hero movie. But any yeah, Levi absolutely nails it because with these movies, there is an element of like with any body switch movie, the adult is really overplaying the the kid aspect because the whole joke of the movie the the baked into the cell is it's an adult acting like a kid so obviously the adult has to really act like a kid so we're laughing um that doesn't work as well in movies like freaky friday with uh lindsay lohan and jamie lee curtis because jamie lee is way overdoing it um and her daughter is like a goth and she is just acting like a valley girl teenager. There is no synergy with these two characters. There was enough with this performance that it wasn't too bad for me. Like, it wasn't like, okay, this guy is really doing it. Like, he, he did just enough of overacting and, like, cheesy hamminess that it was just charming and nothing well, else. Well, yeah, I mean, that just ties back to what Hunter was saying, that you you never doubt that he is playing a different character. Like, the character that the other boy is playing... What's the kid's name? Um, what, Billy Batson? Yes. The main character? Um, no, no, no. The actor. Asher Angel. Asher Angel. <laughs> oh, First boy. of all, change it, dude. Um, <laughs> the the character that he's playing and the character that Zachary Levi is playing, they're they're synonymous. Like it's it's they're you never think that yeah. they're different people, even though they look entirely well, different. Yeah, and the only the only issue I had with that thing is with the movie like Freaky Friday, they only change twice. Like they switch places and then at the end of the movie they mm-hmm. switch back. With this movie, they like it's not like a, a single switch movie. They're switching very frequently. Whenever he yeah. becomes, and it, serves... it works really well in the action sequences. It right. like actually does serve um, a really cool purpose. So this what the script decided to do, which again is a smart move that I can't fall too much, and you you actually pointed this out to me. They they put a lot of the dramatic arc onto the kid. They yes. made the, they made the kid deal with all the, the serious shit. Yep. And so 
whenever he would come in, I would kind of be like, oh, what a bummer. Because <laughs> I just wanted more Levi. But that was a choice that served a purpose because by making him do that, you're letting Levi be insanely goofy the whole movie. Right. Because he doesn't have to and carry it, this weight of drama. It works so well. Yeah, it was very intentional, and so I can't blame it. All of the problems I have with this movie, I cannot fully blame them because it was a sacrifice made for another good choice. Also, I thought Asher Angel <laughs> did a, a good job with the dramatic stuff. And we'll get into that whole uh, mom subplot in, in spoilers. But the, his journey to uh, kind of embracing his foster family, I found very, very touching. And yeah. I was like pretty much moved to tears by the end of that that subplot and like how it wraps up and how the movie and well you know there's a whole portion of this that i'm so glad was not revealed in any of the uh, uh previews but the movie like leans into that so much that like the core uh the core theme here is this sense of like what family means and specifically when you're a foster family what that means and what accepting that the i guess the unconventionality of it all and the the um yeah just the unconventional bonding that comes with a dynamic like that i just i mean i I Asher Angel really won me over as the movie went along because at first, like, it's not really his fault, but him acting with Jack Grazer, it's just like it's almost not fair. Jack like, Grazer, Jack Grazer is he's playing four D backgammon he's, he's, at all times. Yeah, like it's <laughs> yes. Uh, this this podcast is our brand is like verging on creepy, standing for <laughs> Jack Grazer. Like, no, I, like I. I can't get enough of this kid but asher angel like <laughs> he really won me over especially with the subplot and everything i want to give a shout out to uh the director david f sandberg who most notably has made are you ready for uh his two yeah. big movies annabelle lights out and annabelle creation annabelle creation this dude mm. he i mean this is what you know this is the marvel model of just taking a nobody yeah, and, yeah. like making them into a somebody and then uh the uh, the actual the writer i guess the guy who actually wrote the screenplay henry gaden who he has a miscellaneous credit on Spider-Man three, and then he wrote Earth to Echo. That's it. Yeah, this like I it, this actually like this is one of the best directed like unknown Marvel movies or unknown superhero movies that we've seen in a yeah. long time well, since probably I mean since at least Homecoming. The the thing is, uh, like sometimes with with Marvel movies and movies and big properties that give themselves over to a smaller name, sometimes that works, but a lot of the time it doesn't quite come together. And this movie came together better than most movies that try this, that try putting together people that aren't big names. Like, it, it means to me that the new people that who are running the DC show really have their shit together. Well, okay, yeah, I'm glad we brought this up because uh, you, have you seen Wonder Woman, Drew? Um, yeah, I'm a feminist, so yes. Okay. I haven't seen it. Yeah, yeah that's what I thought. Yeah, so Patty <laughs> Jenkins, um, she... I don't know if she has a style, and I'm very curious to see the follow-up, Wonder Woman 84, to see if she does have, like, a unique take to her directing, uh, because that movie was very Zack Snyder, and it's a great movie, but when it comes to, like, a lot of, like, the visual uh, palette... It has a grayness to it. And, I mean, obviously, Patty Jenkins shoots with the female gaze, but the... 
you know, Snyder's whole like slow-mo action and all that yeah. shit, it's all over Wonder Woman. And at this point in the DC movies, that the Snyder's like visual uh, approach is not there at all. I mean, in Aquaman, there's like maybe a little sliver of it left, but James Wan is doing like balls to the wall, insane shit in that movie. Shazam doesn't have like a super uh, kind of intense visual quality to it. It doesn't have like, uh, yeah, just what I would call like a distinct. It's not over stylized. Yeah, it doesn't have a distinct uh, style or anything, but it is completely removed from the Snyder school of DC movie making. Yeah, I mean, like, you're talking about color palette. Like you said before, it's, like, very, like, primary colors. It's bright. There is, like, just kind of this whole lightheartedness with the tone throughout the entire movie that they're almost just, like, we can do whatever we want because nobody knows this guy anyway, so we can just kind of fuck around and do whatever we want with this movie, and it'll be okay. And it worked out for the best because they really, it seems like they kind of gave more control. They let DC, like, they let these guys poke fun at the entire, like, DCEU that we've seen so far. Yeah, without it turning into a parody. Yeah, it's not um, a parody at any point. Yeah. It's well, still, because it's still grounded at its core. It has this family drama oh, yeah. to it. So I, I have kind of an answer here. Uh, the main producer of this movie, his name is Peter Safran. He produced Aquaman. That was his first uh, DC movie he produced. But more, more notably, he's produced a lot of uh, James Wan horror movies. Oh, and, wow. Yeah. That's so that's how we got in on the DC universe. But here's the thing with a guy like David Sandberg or a guy like this producer, you take the jobs that you get. So these guys might be good at other genres other than horror. But if you make one good horror movie and that's your first James Wan's now known as the horror guy. Yeah. And yeah. So if they give that to you, you're just you get more contracts for horror shit. Um, So James Wan, he I mean, he made a Fast and Furious movie, but now he's like. Aquaman is like the biggest movie ever. It makes so much money. So like he's no longer the horror guy. Yeah, but like this guy also produced like the Conjuring movies. Like he produced all these uh Blumhouse style horror movies. And that's that is a big uh thing that happens in Hollywood is people get uh pigeonholed. Is that a pigeonholed? Yeah. Yeah, good, good, good. Pigeon-toed as um a w- uh, one thing guy, but David Sandberg I'm just going to have to assume that he's fucking good. <laughs> like, he did an amazing job in this, and not just for a guy coming in from a different yeah. genre. And, and I mean, he did a good job in general. And I mean, to his credit as a producer, this movie is excellently marketed. Like, it doesn't raise your expectations to the point where you're like, "I this is much must-see. But it does, like, from the very first trailer that we saw, it's like, all right, DC is making a conscious effort to say, hey, forget all those other, forget BVS, forget Justice League. No more dark and gritty. This is this is who oh, we are. Yeah, now. this this, this movie. Like he, they they try so hard, and I mean that's why I was interested in this movie. Is like I, whenever I remember first seeing the trailer, it it actually came out before Aquaman was released. The trailer, it was like, all right, like I'm 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 willing to give DC another go. But but the imagery of the the marketing, I think, is really risky because it leans on that montage. Of them trying out his superpowers. Like, Mm -hmm. that's the marketing. Mm -hmm. And there's all of this other stuff that they leave completely out of the marketing materials that I thought was 
so smart and yeah, we cool don't and hear anything about the kid and like who Billy Batson is as a character. Yeah, right. As a lark. That's yeah, none of that. Yeah, in the movie. you don't. Yeah, you hardly even see Billy Batson. You because mainly the, thing, see Shazam. the thing is that I feel like if they would have added it into the marketing, it would have been like, all right, there's going to be like some kind of a dark story going on here, like DC. But I mean, instead, they wanted to be like, look at how fun and lighthearted this exactly. is. Exactly. I remember Show Zachary Levi. I remember when we first saw the or at least when i first saw the trailer in in a theater i was like oh here's another dc movie mm-hmm. and then it it happened like the trailer happened and i was like wait that looks good that's wrong that must be wrong like yeah it, lo- it looks good they're trying to <laughs> trick us yeah <laughs> <laughs> like it, this movie completely pulls off what it's going for that's that's like my main yes. like, non-spoiler idea what it's trying to do it does you can't deny that and i i mentioned this two weeks ago when we saw the advanced screening but it just harkens back to this bygone era of like early 2000s superhero movies like the Tobey Maguire, Sam Raimi, yeah, uh, Spider-Man movies where there is just this fun, breezy, lightheartedness. I mean, don't get me wrong, those movies have an emotional core just like Shazam, but I don't know. The I love the MCU movies, but they tend to get a little aside from like I mean, obviously they have uh humor in them. But they get they're very like because they're in this uh, cohesive universe, there's no room to kind of explore anything outside of that mm-hmm. and no room to to give us like something truly human, mm-hmm. if that's a good way of putting no, it. No, yeah, I know because there are movies about like superheroes and gods and and just the most the the most supers of all <laughs> and Shazam like it doesn't do that it's yeah. somehow it's a story about this really super powered kid with crazy powers but it's not about that it's more about like him figuring out himself and kind of growing up and embracing his new yeah. family Wh- whenever when we discussed this briefly on the pod like one or two weeks ago i compared it to ant-man mm-hmm. uh because in terms of marvel movies i think that's the closest you're going to get uh because it revolves around zachary levi it could only be replaced by paul rudd in this movie i couldn't like he is so good that after i saw it i was like oh he was the only guy who could have done it except maybe paul rudd because paul rudd is also paul rudd isn't as like hunky though right that exactly was my point that. yeah that I, man you guys really think to, he's like a fucking stud I'd, I'd, he's fuck, like, I'd fuck this i'd yes. let him fuck my brains out he's um, like six five or something he's just paul rudd is pecs. like paul rudd is kind of on the shorter um, shorter side I, I gee if you're comparing this to ant-man i actually think shazam is a better movie than ant-man well that's yes. what i well, works yes so much effect so, so much more effectively yeah. at its core story that it's trying to tell than ant-man which is almost like it's it's just like meant to be so lighthearted that you almost like and I, granted this is kind of because Marvel is a full blown machine at this point that almost just seems unnecessary <laughs> that you're just like it's so lighthearted that you're like yeah but do I really need this did we need to see Ant Man like that was fun but what's yeah because the they're telling this That's big overarching point. story like it's, it's it's not necessarily fair to the movie yeah, itself An- yeah Ant Man but... is kind of injured by the fact that it's playing into like basically a TV series of episodes where you're like well yes. why did I pay for this episode what and, is it telling me in the grand yeah, scheme yeah and of you're just well, like really, oh, it's supposed to be goofy. well we we had to watch this origin story so that we can see him in Civil War so yeah we can yeah get really tell big. me tell me one thing you remember from Ant Man and the Wasp the Wasp. <laughs> um, the wasp was there. They go. They go to the the trippy trippy world. 
I mean, um, no, that what I was going to say, the comparison is all I remember from the anime movies is the funny stuff like Michael Pena. Yes. Et cetera. That's yeah. what I'm and, and just Paul Rudd just being a goof because he's so good at it. Um, and the reason that Shazam, I think, is a little better than either Ant-Man movie is because it's allowed to be goofier. Like if they, if Ant-Man had let Paul Rudd cook like they let Zachary cook in these movies, it would have been a better movie. Right. You know what I mean? But. I I still had a similar feel when watching each of these movies, respectively, where it's like, all right, now we're having the funny thing with the funny man and obligatory villain shit that's just kind of like, yeah, it's whatever. I could do with or without it, but it has to be there or else there's no fight. Yeah. Um, And then it goes back to the funny man. I'm like, yeah, funny man. Ha ha ha. I have have more kind of spoilery thoughts on that. So uh, should we give some final thoughts before we get into spoilers? Uh, yeah, let's see. I mean, like I said, I think this movie succeeds at exactly what it's trying to do. It's not like a visionary, like br- like brilliant movie that's just out of nowhere, but it does what you want it to. If you see the trailer and you're like, oh, I get what the- I like what they're doing with the trailer. It's better than the trailer, and the trailer gives you a good representation of like, oh, it's yeah, gonna- that that honestly, I keep thinking about that in like, in in how DC is right now. And how they're basically trying to, like, reboot their cinematic universe. They made so much money off of Aquaman. And now Shazam is this completely different thing that it could have easily... And I'm, I guess we'll see with the box office if it actually worked. But it, it, it felt like a huge gamble for the marketing to just be like, Hey, here's a guy in a red suit with a cape. Isn't that funny? He's actually a twelve, a thirteen-year-old kid. Oh boy! And like that's it. Don't that's tr- all they give you. But yeah, they don't try to sell you like no, this is must see. Yeah, yeah. Like you, you don't. They don't have to lay out the plot for you to be like, oh, okay, this movie's gonna have an arc to it. Okay, yeah. they like trust us yeah. as people to make a decision. I, to go I see think it or not. G- like generally, we're on. We're all on the ex- exact same page here with how much we liked it. I would say if you're cynical after the first 10 minutes or so stick with it because i was too i think the first 10 minutes are the worst part of the movie yeah that's why i said the asher angel actually won me over as the movie went along because at first it was like uh, the introduction to him i didn't like i didn't like the introduction to our villain uh but just stick with it and keep your don't be cynical about the movie and it'll reward you for not being cynical um all right any more final thoughts before i i'm feeling an eight i really loved it I'm feeling eight as yeah. well. Like we talk a lot really, about, really we talk a lot it. about watchability and rewatchability, and I actually, I really want to see this movie again. Like it's just, it's just a Me good too. fun time in the yeah, theater. It's a good. I had yeah. a big old coke. It was like eleven thirty <laughs> in the morning. And I was like, oh, all right, I'll go ahead and see. Shazam. Yeah, it, whatever. I'll get this done with. And like, I was so into it. I was so on board with this movie. And like, we, this is almost sounds condescending to say, but. We talk a lot about like representation in movies. I feel like representation for kids in superhero movies kind of gets lost a lot of the time. Mm-hmm. Like these are movies that are made for kids, but you never really see kids in the movies. Oh yeah, the and foster kids here are all great. They're all great, and I think that that was really cool while they do that. They like make a movie that there's like yeah, like any kid like you could imagine yourself like what if like if you're just getting bullied all the time in school and stuff like that. Like you can kind of look for right. an outlet in the movie. Yeah. Like and they Shazam. don't get they don't get that much screen time. So a lot of what they have to do in terms of like acting and line delivery and like some of the writing, it's a little bit uh, hasty. Yeah, I would say every character has like the one thing about them. Yes, but yeah, but (laughs) because because the movie isn't fully focused on them, 
it works. And mm. then by the time you get to the end, I think it fully pays off. So uh, my final thoughts, I, uh, I again, I just want to reiterate that this movie gave me that throwback feel to those Raimi movies, to that human element of these of these stories that has been kind of fallen to the wayside as we focus on like Thanos and the fate of the universe <laughs> yeah, and all this shit. Marvel gods. is getting so yeah, they're getting so which, uh, like gal- galactic. Yeah, which characters. I mean, I love Guardians and I love Infinity War and I'm looking forward to Endgame, but it just felt so welcoming and refreshing to see this story focus on something so small and so human i really 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 loved it i thought it was hilarious the all the humor worked pretty much all the performances landed for me even the villain not being the strongest part of the movie yeah it's still I mark strong and he's good he's good, he's a good and actor. It, and the way they they approach it fits into the tone of the movie it's not it's not jarring and you just, for me, in my opinion, it, you kind of need that, that that like comically serious villain in a movie like this. If you're going for like a funny movie, your villain has to be like cartoonishly serious. Yeah, yeah, I agree. And that's in general, that's why I'm getting sick of hero movies. But it didn't bother me too much here. Uh, so yeah, let's get into spoilers now. All right, so go see it. There's there's some things in this movie that happen that you don't want spoiled yeah trust no, me go, go see this movie like yeah. i think we all wholeheartedly go recommend support it yeah that you fun. see this movie don't um, be too cynical Just all right it. so spoilers beginning now yes turns out the real villain was billy's shitty ass mom who just <laughs> yeah. fucking left him so i day. i thought it was actually pretty good how they did this with the flashback sequences how you have this one initial like very hopeful sequence that's uh, shot and acted in a completely different way to the second flashback that we get where it's like the real version of what happened yeah, i thought that was good that was good and I'll, well the thing about that sequence is i if i were to be cynical i would have criticized it because it was too obvious like you don't just lose your kid at a fair and then never see Not them again them. unless the kid was murdered mm-hmm. you know what i mean like it's clear that she left him like i already knew that but it's still played it's heartbreaking yeah to that's watch the thing it. it's, like it's gut punching it's still played out it's not like i was like oh here we go with this like it happened and it was totally fine and the movie doesn't get like morbid you know it's still <laughs> it still has fun with it we still get the the shot of the cops putting the blanket on the kid and handing him a coffee yeah like this like small five-year-old child with a coffee mm. oh yeah that was funny <laughs> I just thought that it was like but i mean really i just i keep thinking about the scene when he finally after all this time meets his mother and you really i just you're so hopeful for it to be like this oh my god i've been looking for you all these years moment and it doesn't really happen instead She's uh, like he's been fucked up through this life in the foster care system and she's not doing any better for herself. Like she obviously has this like boyfriend character. She has like bruises on her and stuff that she's living this terrible life. And she's like, well, you're doing pretty good for yourself. And it's such a it's a tragic moment, but it's not lingered on to be a tragic moment. It is just a moment itself. And then we get back into the heart. Yeah, and also Billy has just been alone for his whole life and you life, can tell that he's like hardened at this point yeah so, so to him like, it's not like it's not like this big there's no like crying yeah moment or anything yeah. tragic like thing he's like well fuck he's like, it's fine but he does have a lot of internal things happening there and when he goes back home you see that he has gone through a lot just in his trip home he's realized oh this is my family 
yeah. that was great. Yes, and that I like how the movie acknowledges the gravity of that because he had put so much weight on finding his mom. Like that's how we're introduced to him. You know, he's like swindling these cops into getting trapped so he can get on their computer to find out where his mom lives. So everything he's doing is to find out where yeah. she lives. And then once we actually get to that point, it's been built up so much that once he realizes the reality of it, he's like, well, I, I'm still me. I'm still, it, I'm still at the same place I was 10 minutes ago. It's not like anything's changed, right. but I'm buying into, but now I know, but, yeah. now I know the truth well, of it and I can move on. And that's why I mean, like, I think that this movie is so important for people who are in the foster care, foster care system, because like, honestly, like if I was a foster child, I would want to reach out and find my real parents. Like, I just, I know that, the, and I think that, like, if I ever, like, adopted kids, I would support them doing that whenever they reached a certain age. But the fact of the matter is that if you were given up as a child, then your parents, they either couldn't provide to take care for you or they just didn't want to yeah. have a mm-hmm. child at that time in their life. And so somebody who's willing to take foster kids into their home and raise them as if they birthed them themselves, that's so much more meaningful than getting knocked up whenever you're 17 and just being like, well, I'm stuck with this thing now. Like choosing to go out there and have this child and take care of them and give them a home is so much more impactful. And that's what really like keeps – I keep coming back to is just like how beautiful of a thing that is that like – Sometimes it it's not just like biologically uh, your quote unquote family is the most important thing. It's about people who really actually look yes. after you. It's about who you pod with. Yeah. Aww. More than anything. But also there's two big things there. One, the movie, ag- again, it doesn't get overly tragic yeah. and morbid and those sad about it. Those are all like it. things that reading about it after the movie. It's not, those are never themes that are directly stated by characters yeah it doesn't it doesn't play the whole foster parent foster kid thing as like this really sad tragic as the parents is being like heroes or anything like that it's just how it is for these people and also just the fact that this is in a big budget superhero movie is amazing Mm -hmm. like they this these stories seldom get told in in movies and then to have a be in like a big superhero mainstream movie that's amazing i really Um, really love that so if i were a dick which i'm totally not listen but if i were being cynical that the depiction of this foster family would have bothered me a little bit uh just because it's like yeah i'm this huge man and this is my banging ass wife (laughs) oh this is my 10 out of 10 wife and we're both i'm funny and she's like has a heart of gold and we just raise this multicultural family and we make it work like That would have bothered me, but again, the, this movie never established itself as hyper-realistic. Yes. So, so I was like, oh, it's just part of a it's movie. It's grounded, but at the same time, it's a superhero movie, so you can kind of just... Yeah, so it's like, yeah, that's yada corny. Yada that is stuff. corny, but like the movie is corny, that, and that's fine. Yes, and all of that just came off as like very comic booky for me, it's, <laughs> and especially with the character introductions. Like, it, it's, like, it's like you're reading a comic book, and you only get one frame with one text box to introduce this character and what they're about like it was very efficient very quick yeah, I was like, a, yeah. a little bit hasty but you know the the movie has other things to get i to. mean yeah the meat of our movie is is jack and zach mm-hmm. jack and J- zach jack and zach riffing bits <laughs> yeah like they and- they app their chemistry together is like two comedy actor adults together 
Oh, um, it works so yeah, well. Yeah, like, if you think of any duo you like in anything, like, fucking, like, Jim and Dwight or whatever the fuck. Like, they have that. It's not, I'm not saying they're like that, but they have the vibe of, like, they work. They and the mesh. And the conflict that develops, it, it comes along very organically. It's all set up really well. And then that kind of big payoff moment with the bus where he, like, uh, st- lightnings the bus and he has to catch it and they have this big argument and yeah, falling about out. like you he's like i saved the people and they're like yeah from a problem that you caused yes. like and that's i thought that that was a really cool moment because in any other scene it would have just been like oh my god you did it you're a hero now and they wouldn't have even dealt with the fact like yeah well you what's well, basically con- solved your own problem there. it's a like, consequence of him not being interested in being a hero like he yeah. just wants to show off his powers yeah. he doesn't it, to him it doesn't click that he is becoming this sort of like magical superhero being you know that's not that's not a priority for him he's like oh it's a cool yeah and and i think that another part of their dynamic i mean of course like their riffing together is amazing i mean they it really highlights both of their skills that zachary levi can act down to a child's level (laughs) and jack glazer can act up to an adult's level and they meet in this perfect happy medium that like i just think that their chemistry is amazing but also i think that the dynamic that builds over the movie about like this kind of this jealousy that jack glazer has for billy batson that you're just like oh you're the new kid in the house and i'm like obsessed with superheroes and you get the fucking superpowers and you don't even know what you're doing yeah and you're not even crippled either yeah like (laughs) that all yeah that all totally worked like the the fighting between them i really enjoyed um another thing if i want to be a dick which i do i always would love to um if I'm being dead honest, I didn't love the casting of Asher, even though, like we said, he he had to carry a lot of weight in his character. Um, but he he doesn't have badass vibes at all. I don't think I think he may have been a little miscast just because it it seems sometimes not always, but sometimes I was getting vibes of like this is a homeschool kid. This is what he thinks a badass acts like. It's not what an actual fo- like like house to house foster kid who's always committing crimes is like. He has a very soft look to him. You know what I mean? Like he doesn't actually feel like that kid. I almost feel like they cast somebody who's kind of an in between where he can kind of play both because you can't go like too like um too like egocentric kind of character like jockey type because then that's not like relatable <laughs> as a con as like a comparable character but that's kind of who zach levi plays because he's in this body he's like very boastful about himself but also you can't make him go like so like uh just alone by his lonesome just kind of emo-ish because that's not who zachary levi plays so they kind of just had to find like a kid a generic kind of looking they just yeah they just cast a disney boy yeah that's what he is he's a disney channel kid (laughs) that's my i mean my issue is that was the vibe i got i was like this is a disney kid this isn't a badass (laughs) and and you know that just ties into the other point about how Zachary Levi gets to do the you know the more fun kind of outwardly uh, comedic and and playful stuff where Asher doesn't you know you get you get Levi doing the the dancing and the and the jokes and the the uh, powers and all that shit and he has a lot of fun with it and it's like that's the same person that's the same character but we don't see asher doing well, it. well yeah and like i said 
he's also hurt by the fact that we're switching back and forth so often. So yeah. we're just constantly reminded that he's not as good as Zachary Levi, which of course he's not. Yeah. Zachary Levi is an adult and he's good. But the switching, I thought the switching was great. There's comedic moments. There's plot development moments where he like switches to escape into a crowd mm -hmm. or when they're like fucking with the security guard and he's posing as like their dad or something foster dad yeah that was those are it, it, Very it works it works in comical moments and it yeah. works for dramatic action moments like i mean i think this movie like i already was really loving this movie but we have like after this big dramatic moment that we have with uh billy like kind of reuniting with his mother we go right into this final action set piece that is like 20 30 minutes long like it's it's not just like a five minute big set piece action battle sequence and for a movie that i don't know exactly what the budget on this it's, film i is, think it's a hundred million so i mean it's it's still i mean it's an expensive movie but this isn't 250 million dollars it's not avengers and they yeah. make this movie look awesome like i said like before about how the villain didn't really bother me because the way of course he's very generic but the way that's visualized with these demonic entities and they all have very unique shapes and forms that are really like terrifying yeah, i thought they could have done that a little bit better i because they're uh, the, so shadowy though that it's like you can kind of but the rest of the movie it, they do so many other interesting imagery visual stuff like for example the scene with the doors where they're just opening different That's doors really cool. and looking into different universes i was like this is amazing i mean obviously it doesn't go anywhere it's just like a little bit of a gag but just having that in there and like having the set design of like the wizard uh uh, the layer, yeah. yeah, like that. All of that was great. The the deadly sins. At first, I really rolled my eyes at them. <laughs> I ended up coming around to them by the end, um, especially with like the climactic final battle. Um, but yeah, I just I think they could have done a little bit yeah. better. I just it, it was unique enough. Like we haven't seen that visualized yeah. like that before, um, and that's why I, it didn't it didn't bother me as I, much. I came around to Mark Strong when he killed his dad. <laughs> All right, so <laughs> before we before we get into the the cool stuff that happens at the very very end, I do want to talk about the Mark Strong uh, subplot. So we opened with his character, which I thought was actually pretty effective because I actually at first I thought that it was Billy. Exactly. So I, like, we just open on this kid and he's transported to like this wizard to try to test if he see if he's worthy of taking the Shazam mantle. Then he comes back and there's this big uh, car accident where his father becomes invalid. Uh but by the way, the father is played by Mr. John Glover who also played Lionel Luther in Smallville. So this is. The I thought you were second... gonna say it's Donald Glover's dad, and I was gonna be like, "Wait, what?" No, 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 <laughs> really no. Black face, really <laughs> yeah. white face. This is the second time that John Glover has played the father of a bald DC villain, who is kind of godlike in many ways. I mean, you just see the guy, you're like, "Oh, father of a bald DC villain." Yes, you know, typecast. Anyway. <laughs> That whole opening sequence I thought was great because it establishes the villain. We we don't end up seeing him until much later on. But then, you know, we get these sequences of him with, like, this serious scientist assistant lady. And they're trying to investigate this wizard thing. And it's like somehow this guy has just, like, held this grudge against his father forever. Because, and this wizard. Yeah. So all of that was, like, very hand-wavy. 
Uh, but you know, they once would... you get to the boardroom and they start murdering everyone, yeah, okay. I was like, all right. Yeah. So like, that, that is something that kind of bothered me at first that they're running like this huge test that's like spanning the globe, interviewing people, and they're all seeing the same thing. That would be like more of a worldwide national story than like, yeah, we've keep these subjects yeah. contained and like nobody's talked about it, but this happened. And this one girl had video evidence of it happening, and they're just like, I guess they took it to like other people, and they're just like, yeah, no, I'm yeah, not yeah, yeah, it's whatever. Like, uh, that was kind of very yada yada But I did like that he is, he's fucking ruthless. Like, he just, like, kills, like, Throws his own brother people. out the window. Yeah, he's like a, a skyscraper. Yeah. <laughs> he's not, at that point, he, that's why I liked it, because at that point, he stops being the, the generic Marvel, like, well, I get his point. Like, mm-hmm. he becomes like, oh, no, he's evil. Like, he's straight evil. And also, yeah. like, they DC, I mean, this is one thing that I feel like they kind of, they tried to be too uh, like this with something like Batman vs. Superman, where they're like, our superheroes kill people. Like, we, <laughs> we fuck, people die in these movies. Right. But, like, in this it works. Like, yeah, his brother's fucking dead. But it's not like in a Marvel movie where they, like, collapse a city on top of another city, and they're just like... <laughs> Yeah, it's probably fine. Those yeah. people, yeah. Are pro- they're probably straight. Like, I wouldn't worry about and the, it. Yeah. And the humor is still there where you have the, the yeah. guy outside the office, like, looking in, and then everyone's just, like, so overacting, react- reacting yeah. to all of these monsters. Oh, like, I really like that. Just hamming it um, up, yeah. all of these extras. Well, the, the other main thing I wanted to talk about before we get into the ending is this concept of emotional honesty because I, I read a book like years ago, it's called the hidden tools of comedy. And it's by this guy who you would never know his name, but he works as like a secret script doctor for comedy movies or even comedy TV shows. He will come in and they'll be like, there's something wrong here and he will fix it because he knows how it works. And he, in this book, he used one of his primary examples for emotional honesty is the movie big. Mm. Um, he uses that so much because it's vital to a movie with a concept like this that there is some amount of believability because with the main cell you've already exited reality like no one's like yeah this happens in real life that's already gone but at least the kid has to act in a way that you would think because it if it, this was written by an adult who didn't have a good perception of children he would become the hero and then just like call the pentagon and be like i'm a hero <laughs> you know what i mean yeah. it but no, it has to have a chain of actual action that a child would take or else the whole movie dies. Like the whole movie would fall apart if this uh, if Shazam were not acting how we act in this where, he, like you said, there, he has like a guitar case out and he's just like doing super yeah. shit <laughs> like that is what holds the entire movie together. When we get into generic villain stuff like you're talking about, whenever we get into any issue I had, what holds it together is that there is more than a grain of truth in the movie like that's what makes it good but even even the villain stuff like if you really think about it mark strong he just wants he's just been thinking about the fact that he was offered these wizard powers when he was a kid and then denied them and he's just been his whole life has been uh, defined by the fact that he was deemed unworthy by this wizard it's not like he wants to take over the world or like you know do any sort of maniacal shit it's just like oh i'm just obsessed with this wizard thing and yeah. i want to be and worthy. it's almost like it like somewhere down the line he was like you know what no fuck 
this wizard guy like yeah you know i'm not worthy i'm a bad person so i'm gonna embrace like being <laughs> yeah. evil but as hell if i'm dead honest though i really didn't like the beginning stuff with him personally i didn't the you first, didn't like the car crash when i just when i saw that scene i was like there's nothing in this that is indicating this is going to be good to me okay. i don't know i was like mm. if this is setting a tone then i don't like the movie right um it and, is it is very serious when the rest well, of the movie it, it goes to not being that serious yeah. for a long time. And again, it's just, it's kind of just classic absurdity. Like when, when he's doing the walk and talk with that lady in his office later on and mm. he, they go into his actual office and it's just filled with really suspicious shit. Yeah. Right. like, hey, I never noticed that door. <laughs> like, it's like, <laughs> come on. Like, <laughs> I did like when she just vaporizes. Oh, yeah, that was all he, cool. Yeah. But again, what the thing that sold me after that point was that it, it went back to reality. And like you said, it has this foster family thing of like, it's not we're not talking about like destroying planets like avengers will be talking about exactly. we're, we're, we're talking about a family and this is a good segue to the ending where yeah i am so so glad that this was left a surprise where we see all of the foster kids all become shazams to fight the seven deadly sins in this like epic carnival colorful <laughs> uh uh fight sequence yeah, everybody's seen everybody's costumes are like so like all different c- colors and everything else like they're like the power rangers of gods yes. <laughs> pretty much like they're, they're all still kids but they have like these extraordinary powers yeah. um the like certain things uh like how every character is like very one-dimensional like their one dimension kind of still comes out in their adult form like i love that uh oh, the yeah. asian kid who plays a bunch of video games there's a street fighter reference the haruken whenever he like shoots the laser i was like Hell yeah. Yeah. <laughs> like, um yes, I I I am excited for this. And the movie is obviously doing well enough that this sequel will not be canceled. We're so we're getting a sequel here, possibly multiple. Uh a couple shout outs to who we have here. Uh first of all, Jack Grazer grown up. Turns out that Jack Grazer is gonna become Adrian Brody. Um I dude, or, uh, sorry, Adam Brody. I was like Big, Adam Brody. C- critical difference. <laughs> I was gonna say I, yeah, I was about the to nose say, is my, a big tell. In my dreams he becomes Adrian Brody. <laughs> Bring no, Adrian Brody back. But listen, Adam Brody, it's good to see you, buddy. Yeah. Uh, because he... We missed you. Well, he did the OC. He was a big fucking deal. People thought, like, oh, him and... The, everyone's like, oh, this whole cast is going to become movie stars. Rachel Bilson going to be huge. Adam Brody... And they just get, didn't. And they didn't pan out. However, Adam Brody is down for funny shit. He had a decent arc in the league. Uh, and he also was on an episode of Kroll Show. Just as, like, a bit oh, wow. f- a funny character. Like, so he's down. I'm happy to see him. I like the guy. Um, and then the only other notable, because we didn't get much time at all with these this like Avengers crew, which I really enjoyed because I was like, we'll, we'll get it in the next movie. I, yeah, I liked how basically going into the final act, you're kind of wondering like, all right, what's it going to be? You know, what's the, the big sky beam or whatever yeah, the yeah. fuck they're going to do? How is this movie going to basically drop the ball like so many yep. superhero third acts dude you're kind of ready for it at this point we watch a lot of superhero <laughs> movies we know the mechanics of how they work and they manage to not only not drop the ball but totally surprise you and end on such a high note where you get this wonderful inventive surprising sequence that ties to the core theme Ex- of the well, movie of that, the family. That's why it was special because I, you, like I said, I I wanted to be cynical about like, oh, here we go again. You could think that you could be like, oh, great, it's setting up for something, but it was a great like magic trick because it was like these characters you knew the whole time 
Turns out they're heroes. Turns out you're going to see more of them. And it, it really, really worked because the movie was good enough. Um, anyway, we didn't get a lot of screen time with these people. The other main shout out that I want to give is this guy, Ross Butler, who's playing the, the Asian gamer boy, Eugene. Mm -hmm. He, I mean, because he has maybe like two minutes total of screen time as an adult. Yeah. He's getting laughs. Like he, this guy, low key. Uh, prediction he might be like the secret mvp of the sequel because he was by far the funniest out yeah, of these just adults like, like just slight looks yeah. and like some of like he, his well, body yeah movement. he was he was playing it perfect because there is a, a balance to strike with like do i go too too far into being a kid or do i go like you know understated and he did perfect yeah um yeah so he's most he was in 13 reasons why and riverdale that's what i so want to say he's been in stuff yeah riverdale 13 reasons why and uh mtv's teen wolf aka yeah. the triple Ooh. crown of me hating you the <laughs> the weak the weakest one i would say is megan good who plays the superhero version of Darla, the yeah. little black girl. Well, well, it's because she's playing a like a truly like Darla is the like youngest a five year old. Girl. Yeah, yeah. Then so, that's that's hard. Yeah, that's hard because to play a little kid as an adult, you get like annoying. <laughs> so, the, one thing I wanted to say is I after watching Shazam, I have faith in a sequel. However, the shtick, if we're going from one guy doing the switch to like six, are we gonna get annoyed? Possibly, it's gonna be like Spider Verse. Maybe it, how is, would they do it? Yeah, that's the thing. Is it gonna get tiresome to just keep seeing people acting like kids and we're at a, at a certain point are we going to be like i get it okay right. so if we're just going and talking about perspective sequels did you guys stay for the post credit scene yeah 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 so uh well wait, there were two there were two for the like the second one there's the one of the caterpillar that's that was that's the that's the second random one. as fuck. so <laughs> after that one i did some research um so that caterpillar is like a mega villain in the dc universe known by the name of uh mr mind it's literally just a fucking caterpillar, but he runs this thing called the Monster Society of Evil, which Holy has like shit. a whole bunch of different um, so I... super villains are in here. I know there's like Captain Nazi, but most notably, <laughs> one this name, all sounds so bad. One name that stuck out to me is uh, Mr. Adam, who's also in Injustice. Oh, Black Adam? The Rock? Black Adam. <laughs> Maybe those are two different characters. Thought that that was the same person, yeah. but never mind. Adam just stuck out to me. But <laughs> so Rock... never mind. So the sequel is going to be terrible. Um, Mr. Nazi. Well, The Rock is making or he wants to make. He he spends most of his days uh, working out. He works out like 12 hours a day. So he's a very busy man, either making crazy action movies or working out. But at some point, he wants to make a Black Adam movie. And Black Adam is the arch nemesis of shazam so at some point maybe we'll see the rock and zachary levi yo i'm so on board <laughs> yeah. for that <laughs> like uh, sign me up right now w one thing i just remembered one of my favorite favorite moments of the movie is when uh, uh shazam and mark strong are like levitating in the air and mark strong is like giving oh his little God. villain monologue and levi's like I can't hear yeah, you. Yeah, because he's, like, speaking at, like, room temperature volume, and they're, like, a mile apart from each other. Yeah. That was, like, this movie is, it has little moments where it plays with tropes in, yeah. like, such a genius way, and it's not in your face like Deadpool. Like, I've seen, oh, yeah. I, I've honestly seen some people on Letterboxd say there's, like, this is, like, Deadpool light, and they give it, like, th like two stars, and it's, like, wait, yeah, what? good. <laughs> no, that's a thing, like. This isn't Deadpool light? I think Shut that, up. I think that, I mean, I honestly think that Demi uh, Adegabayo actually 
said something along those lines on his letterbox review. No. You're now an, you're now an enemy of the podcast. No, oh, I um, feel bad now. I yeah, like yeah, him. you gave it two stars. Yep. No, it's yeah, okay. It's, I mean, if you don't like, you don't like it. But, no, but stop though. Deadpool is bad because it is trying to be edgy, and, it's and self- this movie is good because it's not trying to be well, edgy. And it's, a, a movie like Deadpool is so reliant on its jokes that it doesn't have a story at all. And the this heart, movie, the heart doesn't land. This movie has a heart and soul, and then it also can make really good clips. No, we haven't yeah. even talked about the whole thing with the Batarang and the whole, uh, which actually oh, yeah. plays into the plays into the core of the story of how to defeat this boss. Is that they just have this Batarang that they were that Billy was going to just like steal from yeah. his brother and sell. Oh yeah, like in the black market. Yeah, and that that and, reminds me, the way this ties into the DC universe is perfect because like we get the the battering and like the newspaper clipping of superman to establish like they exist in the universe yeah. yada yada and then there's two key moments one we have this shot of this little boy playing with a batman and a superman action figure watching Shazam and Mark Strong fight each other and they take the time to have a shot of the kid dropping the action figures and having them fall to the ground. If that's not a metaphor of uh, Ben Affleck and Henry Cavill <laughs> piecing out, then I don't know what it is because then yeah. at the very, very end, I think literally the last shot of yeah, the movie great last shot. is uh, <laughs> uh, obviously they build up the whole movie as to like Shazam's going to show up at school. He's going to show up at lunch. I know him and we're friends he finally does. He sits down and he's like, oh, I also brought another friend of mine. We see the Superman S. No no, no head. No head. Yeah. Just head cut off frame, cut to black. Yeah. Like that's how you both, both uh, pay off the, the, the joke, the setup, and tell audiences like – yeah, no more Cable. Yeah, people Sorry. are just like, <laughs> I'm, Paris, like, yeah, I'm like, don't know who's gonna be I'm, I'm unreasonably <laughs> upset about that Deadpool comparison because I understand totally what he's and saying. I've like, seen that it's not just on like Larebox. I've seen like people on Twitter and stuff like that say like, because I guess if any movie, it's funny. if any movie's trying to be, fu- if it's a funny superhero movie, then it has to live up to Deadpool's expectations because well, yeah. Deadpool is like they poison the brains of society and film goers. It's like every funny movie sucks. If you're funny super superhero movie you're no deadpool well it's just a matter of it's also the meta aspect of it where it is making fun of itself but deadpool is toxically making fun of itself to the point that there is no movie in deadpool 2 because he resets the movie at the end of it uh that's too much there's an amount of meta that's great like jack grazer does partially exist to make meta jokes to the audience kind of like abed and community where he's like hey i'm one of you guys i like this stuff so i get what's happening but he also has a pivotal emotional arc. Like, this movie has a soul, so to compare it to Deadpool is just inherently wrong. Deadpool has no soul. It's two sides of the same coin, where Deadpool is... It takes advantage of all the bad things that 12-year-old boys like, kind yes. of. It takes advantage of the fact that you like just hearing the word fuck and shit. You're like, hell yeah, that's like that's badass. This movie has a soul, and it still would play good for that age. And it's not, like, too vulgar. Not that I care about vulgarity in a morality sense. But it's an actual movie. Yeah. And it puts it, it it puts that archetype of the 12-year-old kid at the center of the film. Yeah, like Deadpool f- doesn't, I mean, doesn't even attempt yeah, that. Yeah, it's a fucking, you're allowed to be a little self-aware as long as you're not too self-aware. Right. It's like anything else. You're allowed to be a you little. You can anything. comment on things, yeah. but that can't be, yeah. commentary can't be your entire. But I, 
story. I love how this movie just if I was 13, I would, this would be like my favorite movie. And it, it it's about a kid, you know, and it doesn't shy away from that and embraces that. And then the whole foster family aspect and, and all of that just lands so well that at the end, the, you know, obviously we, we have the, the family, the, the Shazam fam in the lair checking it out, but that's not the, that's not what the movie wants to leave off on the the big kind of wrapping up emotional uh uh period at the end of this of this film is the the family moment the dinner scene Mm. and finally getting them all you know in this bonding moment this like family embrace Where they like finally they all put their hands together come together and there's like, it's like right, that's what the movie's about yeah yeah no i i just i i really love this movie like like you said if i was like 13 and saw this movie this would probably this would be better than almost yeah. every marvel movie and you guys because it speaks to children and it doesn't and does it doesn't speak into children in a way that ostracizes adults either that's a very hard balance to have where you can be very meaningful to both adults and kids almost yeah. right. just you guys didn't see aquaman right no i no. haven't this actually well, makes me want to go see aquaman well what what i was going to say is like aquaman would probably also be my favorite movie if i was 13 but that movie like it's so erratic and it's like four different movies, like you mean stitched together. You mean erotic, right? <laughs> <laughs> like hot. Because Momoa, yeah, yeah. Momoa doesn't have a shirt on. My, my man. My man. <laughs> How does Zachary Levi's performance compare to Jason Momoa? It's a lot better. But <laughs> like that movie, Aquaman, like it's really fun, uh, and it's it's doing a lot of inventive things. But it's just like so all over the place, and it, y- this movie, it's like way more focused. You know, so it it again taps into that that youth aspect and like how kids are like all ADD nowadays. Yeah, and, and like listen, you could but talk, it keeps a focus. You could talk me into this movie being a seven, maybe. Like I wouldn't I wouldn't hate you if you said like yeah, it's like decent. I'd be like yeah, that's fine to think, but you cannot think that this is comparable to Deadpool. Like oh no way. De- like I didn't hate you Deadpool one. Some people some people fucking stand by Deadpool. Oh I know, but like. Deadpool 1 I didn't hate too much, but it's so starkly different. Like, this movie stands on its own with or without meta-commentary. The meta-commentary makes it more palatable for adults and kids alike because it's saying, hey, I know I'm a little corny. It's fine. Right. Uh, with Deadpool, it's saying, I'm a movie. I'm a movie. Look at me. I just took a yeah. poopy on the camera. <laughs> Movies suck. I suck. And then at the end, it's like, you suck for coming to yeah, this movie. Exactly. You wasted your fucking time. You're How's dumb that? shit. Yeah. <laughs> the, the difference in tone is so vast that, like, you I, It's almost incomparable to I, compare yeah, these I, two things. I really can't even hear it because, like, like I said, there were plenty of moments where my cynical brain t- tried to take over in this movie. Where if I really thought about it, you could talk me into not liking plenty about the movie. But that's not what the movie's for. And that is pivotal. Like, when we watch any kid's movie, I try to put myself in a kid mindset. Not, I don't try to make myself dumb, but I try to be more open to simpler plot lines, things like that. When we saw Dumbo, I was trying to think like a kid. And when I put myself in my kid brain, I was like, I hate this. I like this <laughs> less than I do as yeah, an adult. Because I don't think I, don't, I would not have liked it as right. a kid either. But right. with this, I was like, no, this, I like it as an adult, and I would have liked it even more as a kid, which is what it's for. So, so it works totally for me. I mean, yes. we talked a lot about direction and focus. Um, 
I will, we're going to talk about in the next couple of days, but thoughts on Pet Cemetery. This movie is exactly 30 minutes longer than Pet Cemetery. It feels shorter. It feels so much <laughs> yeah. shorter. Like that this movie, it's two hours and 12 minutes and it's just a breeze. Like that it literally, the scenes just, it's one leading into the other. The story never really stalls, even in like the- It flows the, really even, well. Even in the bad guy scenes, which aren't as good, like there's a really good rhythm to it where it doesn't ever see like we're seeing the same scene that's supposed to tell us the same thing twice. Yes. Um, which I think is like really effective. Just when you reach the point when you're like- all right, you know, Shazam's starting to get full of himself. I We know he's not going to, like, keep going to school and stuff like that. He just doesn't go to school one day, and he's just showing off in the street. Like, it, you, it's never telling you the same thing yeah. twice or saying the same message. I'm over Zachary over. Levi. I don't need to go to school. Yeah. Why would I I'm need to go to school? fucking hot. I'm yeah. not going to school. Yeah, I guess let's uh, yeah let's wrap it up. Give some final thoughts. I again, I just I love this movie. I thought I was very surprised by it. I I love the humor. I love uh, the fact that it takes its time to really uh, make these character moments land and still be very fun and engaging uh, and just really hilarious. I laughed a lot. Yeah. Mm. Another another thought I have about this movie to just generally summarize is it is a great date movie. Mm-hmm. Even oh, yeah. like a first date movie, because you're both going to leave in a good mood. Yes. Uh, and you're not going to feel like dummies. And it's also a great movie to show to a kid. And it's a great movie to just see as an adult. So that that gives it an extra point out of 10 for me. Just the fact that it's so universal, even mm-hmm. if it has flaws. It's a movie that you can see and actually analyze like we're doing here. Or you could see and say, that was a fun time. And then never talk about it with yeah. anybody. Universality. And a lot of yeah. people don't just like go watch a movie and want to talk about it for an hour or two hours yeah. along with people. Like that's not how a lot of people yeah, think. They'll just so, like, oh, it was good. It was yeah. good. And yeah. then that's kind of it. And I think it works on both, yeah. both levels. So, All right. Shazam. Shazam. It's. I think it's my second favorite movie of the year so far. I'm looking at my list. Now. I think it's my. I think it's my, my number three. Uh, so yeah, it's up there. We'll better, see how better than Alita. Oh fuck! I, yeah. oh, that's <laughs> actually my number one. So Maybe, uh, what if all our ratings are so skewed just because we've seen a bunch of garbage this year? Yeah, um, <laughs> hasn't been movie, too great. Yeah. We're about to do a review of uh, commentary of Max Keeble next week because that's how bad the movie theaters are. Wait, 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 what are you saying? Um, shut, shut up. <laughs> yeah. uh, he hasn't seen I'm it. He doesn't know. Here. I don't know. Uh, all right, let's wrap it up, boys. Uh, wrap it before you shazam it. That's what they say. I guess on we bought a mic. How much bigger does uh does Angel's uh, penis get whenever he shazams? Whoa. That's, what if that's a good damn. point? And if and if a girl does he fucks have a him, Superman dick? If a girl fucks Zachary Levi, is she a pedophile? <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> Holy shit. That's fucked up. This movie is a dark masterpiece. <laughs> <laughs> this is what Zack Snyder always intended was to ask these these are the important questions. Yeah, yeah. I actually thought when he I, I thought it was strange that Brian Singer's name came up at the end as an executive producer, but now it all makes sense. I I I thought when he starts like talking to his uh, foster sister, uh, and he like knows who she is, I thought that she was gonna be like, "Oh wow, Shazam, I you're kind of cute." I thought that they you're were gonna try up. and play that into a thing, <laughs> and like, I, thank God that they did not. Yeah, yeah in a, in a past, if this came out in the '80s, they would have. Because think about Back to the Future. Back to the Future. His is mom so is so horny up. for him the yeah. whole movie. Like, I'm I'm not saying, but I'm just saying. Like, there's probably an alt ending where uh, Michael J. Fox just becomes his own dad mm-hmm. and fucks his mom. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs>
So wow. see Shazam in theaters. Uh, <laughs> it's a good time. All right. Um, yeah, we bought a mic. Twitter, Instagram at we bought a mic. We bought a mic at gmail.com. Oh, I was gonna shout out. Um, someone left a review for us. Is it actually on iTunes? Is it actually just someone? Uh, it's one of Adam's friends. They shouted him oh, out. Nice. So if you want to leave us a review, go on your iTunes or favorite podcast app. And uh, five stars only, please. You know, we'll we'll shout you out <laughs> on the pod. We like that love. It was um, Cape Cod Kira Kira says, I love when Adam Sidorius, king of takes and king of my heart, is a guest. Oh, that's cute. So she's Damn. not listening to this episode then. She's Well, maybe. Well, maybe. 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 Yeah. I Wait, think that's, so a, that's a long first name. Did you say Cape Cod Kira Kira? Yeah. Hey, Vampire Weekend fan. Yeah. I stan you, queen. All right. What do you guys want to plug? Um, find me on Twitter and Letterboxd at Hunt Mobley. Um, just kind of keeping that train rolling. I'm going to try and see Beach Bum this week. So, yes. Uh, I want to see Beach Bum, too. Yeah. I I might try and see that tomorrow. It's probably uh, not going to stay in theaters long. I don't want to know. It's it. not making a lot of money. A lot of people are saying that between this and Serenity, the reconnaissance is like absolutely <laughs> dead. At this we point. Watch it's been Serenity. decline. And now it's just I was hoping that I was going to win the, uh, Oscar, the Oscar bet just yeah. so I could make us all watch Serenity. Hey, summer movie wagers coming up. There we there's go. still Ooh. there's still hope. Anyway, I'm on Twitter at Drew D.I.E.T.Z.E.N. Hey, someone on some other podcast might shout out me in their obscure comedy segment someday because mm-hmm. of my twitter mm-hmm. i'm telling you these twitter is a springboard it's not just it's a, a constant flow it's of really sweet it's really good for finding like true news stories too yeah oh like, yeah i mean everything a, you have to be factual if you post yeah, something did you know thing. windmills cause cancer yeah they cause cancer that's a real thing yeah, guys it is true but it's i mean you're right though a lot of people still have this image of twitter in their head of like Twitter oh, and Facebook. Oh, just had lunch, lol. Yeah. When it's like, dude, have you gotten on any website? It's all bad. Like, Twitter is also bad, but it's words. It's At least it's not pictures. Instagram is so narcissistic to me. It's all about, like, look at fucking me. Twitter is about, like, look at my thoughts. And you know what? I'm a... What do they call it? Your I'm, thoughts are sexier than your body. Yeah, I'm a sapiosexual. <laughs> I'm one of those guys with, like, a rose emoji in their username that yeah. is, like... I actually only like intelligence. And also, you're hot. <laughs> Well, uh, see you next week. Stick around. So you're an incel. Now the audience knows. I'm a I'm a DSA incel. <laughs> oh no! <laughs> and I'm Caldernist at Twitter, Instagram, Letterboxed. Uh, check me out. Hit me up. Let me know what you want to see on the pod coming up. We got Max Keeble. We got uh, Avengers. Other stuff. Yeah. We'll what keep else it real. is coming out this week? Uh, we're, oh, Hellboy. We're, this month. Well, also we're, we're gonna have Hellboy. a special, a special little. Oh yeah, there's a special. We'll, we'll, we'll save it. There's we'll a special segment coming up. Trying new things, trying to keep it fresh. So stick around. We love you. Thanks for listening. Uh, we got a review of Pet Cemetery and Ketchup Corner coming in a few days. So listen to that. Let us know what you think. And uh, yeah, keep it with Bammy. Goodbye. So long. Farewell. I love you more than I love Jack It's me, Laser Deadpool. <laughs> that podcast never happened. Podcasts are lame.